Hello and welcome to another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. I'm Dino Varelli, founder and CEO of Project Purple. Today we're on the phone with Sharon Zembrelli. Sharon, you, you might be related, my last name being Varelli Zembrelli, maybe somewhere when people came off the boat at Ellis Island. <laughs> There's a couple, though. In all seriousness, thank you for joining us today on the Project Purple Podcast, Sharon, to share your story of inspiration. You're a, a fighter, a survivor, and we're excited to have you here on the podcast. So thank you for taking time to join us. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Well, as we always do with all our guests, Sharon, we'd love to mm-hmm. give you the opportunity to share with our audience a little bit about your story. Okay, so uh, let me start in the beginning. Um, my life has been very blessed. I was one of these people who never got sick, never got the flu, never had a flu shot. Um, things sort of were always very healthy in my life, and it progressed that way until all of a sudden, one weekend, I thought I, I had a, a parasite, and uh, I said something's wrong. And I think, you know, uh, when you've been around the health world, I was the beauty and health editor at Harper's Bazaar, I'm very aware of everything, you know, all the signals, etc. particularly about my own body, uh, working out a lot, etc. So anyway, I immediately called my gastroenterologist, who's sort of a genius, and I love him, and I said, I think I have a parasite. Uh, You know, he said, okay, this was a Thanksgiving break. So I had to uh, wait until the following week, but I immediately addressed it. And I went to see him. And he's so amazing that he looked at me and he saw a slight yellow in my eye that I didn't even notice. And he said to me, "Uh, okay, Uh, he knew. He knew that it wasn't a parasite. He knew that it was either my gallbladder or my pancreas. He, he just knew. So he said, you're a woman of the action, and I have a plan. And this was at 7.30 at night, and he immediately uh, set in motion all of these tests the following day. And it was quite extraordinary, having never, you know, really been involved in any sort of health issue. This was like, whoa. It really rocked my world, let's put it that way. <laughs> Um, I immediately had to have uh, all these, you know, MRIs and, you know, scans. And then I had a special kind of endoscopy where they um, they put a stent in my bile duct because mm-hmm. it was blocked. I mean, the whole thing was like a, I felt like I was in a dream state. I felt like I, it was an out-of-body experience and this wasn't happening to me. It was happening to somebody else. But the thing that was so extraordinary, Dino, is that the medical care that I had was so, they had so much confidence and they made me feel so good that I I wasn't frightened. I can't explain it. I was just like, you know, I like answers and I was like, what's the answer? What's going on here? So Sharon, I I just want to jump in here. So when did this, what year did this happen? It was December of 2017. Okay. So... My year of uh, chemotherapy, Whipple surgery was last year, 2018. Okay. So, and where did you, and Sharon, just one more question. Where did you go for treatment when you said like the doctors and everyone made this just a great experience? Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai. Sinai. Okay. Now, when, when my doctor told me, my gastroenterologist told me that what I had, it was, 
you can imagine how shocking it is to get this kind of diagnosis. And the most bizarre thing is I had just lost a very dear friend to pancreatic cancer the year before. Mm. So the whole thing really, it was shattering, to say the least. He said to me, you got to move on this quickly. I had the name of two surgeons, one at MSK and one at Mount Sinai. I first made the appointment, and I got appointments really quickly. It's so important not to ignore it and pretend it's going to go away because it's never going away. I immediately made the appointments. Uh, my husband's amazing. It's, it's great to be your own advocate, but to have an advocate next to you mm-hmm. is, is, is just a blessing. And my family and my friends, it's extraordinary. And I didn't think too much. I kind of just went and did what I had to do and didn't overthink it because, you know, you could kind of crack up if you think about it too much. So I I proceeded. I met with an incredible surgeon, Dr. LeBeau, over at Sinai. And he spent over two hours with me. Now, we had a dinner that night with some friends. And it was at the end of the day. And... He looked at me and he said, you're fit, you're strong, you're young. And I said to him, can I go home? You know, it was like, like, what am I doing here? And he was so confident with me. He he gave me confidence. He wasn't uh, one of these doctors that's full of himself, and yet he's brilliant and strong. And he said, there will be an answer. I can cure you. And that was the thing that I really held on to, do you know, what he said, those words. After the meeting, I said to Michael, said, let's go home. I said, no, 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 I want to go to dinner. And it, I, it was like a release for me to be able to go out and, you know, I'm alive, I'm fine kind of experience. So nevertheless, that was December. I had to start my first chemotherapy treatment on January 4th. I had a port put in, Um, you know, so all these other little ancillary things start to happen around your life, like the orbit totally changes. And from going from going to the doctor once a year for my checkups, you know, now I'm like in the system and I'm having, I'm being prodded and all these things are happening. But the thing that was so helpful, other than the fact that I have an extraordinary husband and my daughter and my friends the, the medical team, the, the, the secretaries, everybody were so supportive. And it gives you a lot of strength to, to be surrounded by that. So I had the port put in. I didn't even know what a port was. And I started on a drug called Flafluronex, mm-hmm. which was a nightmare. It was the worst thing I had ever experienced. I, I thought they were killing me. I thought, okay, this is going to kill me. Not not the disease. This is going to kill me. And um, it was it was brutal. It was brutal. It was really really brutal. And the good news was, is I was very fit, so it did help in dealing with that treatment. But I did things that were very kind of soothing to me. I would get the treatment, which was an all day treatment, mm-hmm. and then I had to come home with a little pack around me, a fanny pack. Yeah. For the weekend, and yep. it would send the drug through my body. I can still hear that whoosh, you know, that sound. And I don't know, I guess I compartmentalized it. I don't know what I did, but I tried not to, 
get too overwhelmed, like why me or, you know, that kind of feeling. I was just trying to stay in the moment and, and deal with this torture that was happening to me. And um, I found out from some friends, some, you know, great like movies on Netflix and things to watch and series that I haven't ever watched. And I just sat there with my little iPad, like lying on a sofa. I did not stay in bed because I think when you stay in bed, it's a very negative feeling. It's like, you know, when you're in bed, you're really sick kind of feeling. Yeah. So if you can get yourself out of your bed and go onto a sofa or sit someplace where it's comfortable, where you can lie there and be cozy and create like a little nest for yourself almost, where you have, you know, your water and, you know, uh, your TV or a little iPad or whatever, because you can't really read when you're on this drug because it really, it just messes with your head terribly. Mm -hmm. And I just went into this other zone. I really did. And I had, you know, visitors and they would just with me and um, it was a very painful time for me. It was very, very frightening, painful. You know, you lose your hair, and to be honest, you know, you know, I had done a, I was a spokesperson for a hair company, so I had really great hair, and, but to be honest, that was not, it didn't bother me. I thought, you know what, so what? My hair's going to grow back. I had a great friend who was here, and she saw that I was losing my hair, and her mother is an artist, and had not had a lot of hair since she was 30. She said, you've got to call this company let's go online right now and order wigs and i just you know i didn't think about it i kind of just acted you know how you just do that in life sometimes you just kind of keep moving forward and for whatever reason that propelled me and it 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 pushed me through the process of this torture which was really torturous I, i i think that the early diagnosis was crucial Mm-hmm. Really crucial. The fact that I had the chemo, I had a very Chinese, it was two thirds of an inch, and it was at the head of the pancreas. Thank God it hadn't invaded, or I wouldn't be talking to you. Um, and so they wanted to shrink it and then hopefully give me, you know, the Whipple surgery, which is what hopefully you can get when you um, have pancreatic cancer. So Fortunately, they they shrunk the tumor, and then I waited, and uh, about a month, and then I had the surgery. So in that period, yeah, go ahead. No, I just want to back up for a second. When you originally were diagnosed, did they give you a staging of the tumor or of the disease at that point, or no? They just said, you know, the tumor's in the head of the pancreas. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna give you yeah chemotherapy and hopes of shrinking the tumor and then surgery is the next option. Yeah, this was the the protocol that they felt I could have. And and going back a minute, I didn't even go get a second opinion because there was only one answer for me. It Mm -hmm. was just a question of where I wanted to do this. Yeah. And I so fell in love with Dr. LeBeau that I didn't want to go anywhere. I called MSK. They had all my info. They were so great. But I just knew I was with the right person. Really, I think in life you have to listen to your instincts. You have to listen to everything you feel. And if you really listen, you'll make the right decisions. Yeah. You know, it's hard to tune into that. But if you can, and if you have someone to talk to, a friend, a a, a husband, a lover, whatever, 
that's really helpful too because you know you're bouncing off all these feelings that you're having because it's very complicated and um it's not a feeling i ever had before i uh, it was it really was an out of body experience the, the chemo was I don't even like to think about it. I told my doctor that the chemo was worse than the Whipple surgery. And she said, she quoted me at a big conference. She said, I had to quote you. No one's ever said that before. <laughs> and I said, well, trust me. It really was. It was, it, it was, um, it, your, everything changes, you know, your whole body. I mean, you get, they tell you, you know, watch out for sores in your mouth. You're like expecting the worst also, yeah. you know, your hair falling out etc by the way as soon as your hair starts falling out go and cut it don't you know what i mean yeah just advocate for yourself cut it i had you know a friend of mine came over here immediately cut my hair which was great so that the loss was less striking uh, the other thing that i find that you know hospitals are hospitals they're talking about medicine coming from my background i I really was focusing on the self-care and how to make myself feel better, my skin. You know, inside your mouth, you get these kind of sores. Like, yep. what sort of mouthwash is good to use? All these little things that they don't kill you because they're so focused on healing you. They don't realize that you're going to have all of these things to deal with that are really seriously painful, horrible, ugly. You know what I mean? So I got a question for you, Sharon. Like you said in the beginning, like you were, you, you know, you were health, you were in the health and beauty industry for a long time, and you took care of yourself. You worked out. So as you got sick, were you still working out? Um. Well, I was doing some things at home on a yoga mat, you yeah. know, very gently. But and I had also, I was working on a project which I had committed to in January. When I started the treatment, I should have never done that. I had yeah. no idea how it was going to feel. And I had a, a partner who I worked with on this project. And I, I was just, my head was on the table. I was, I was making decisions about color and design. And it, it was it was unlike anything I could ever describe to anybody. It was, um, it felt like maybe you were dying. Like maybe you were being poisoned. That's what I, because I was being poisoned. Well, I mean, the Flufornox, yeah, that's, it's a, it the, was, the ultimate goal of the cancer, or the chemotherapy is to kill everything, including the cancer. And, you know, for those listening at home, if you've never heard the term Flufornox, it's one of the most toxic and lethal chemotherapy treatments that they have. And the, the challenging part, and I've heard this from many oncologists, is, you know, the pancreas is not very vascular. It's not like a, a breast or some other uh, cancers that, you know, it's easy to access the chemotherapy into the tumor um, environment. And, and the, other problem, exactly. the other problem with the pancreatic cancers and the tumors in particular is that tumor shell is so hard and it becomes so encapsulated. So they have to, the dose that they have to give to patients, like you were talking about having the fanny pack and having the pump as you go home. Um, oh, for the know, whole weekend, yeah, with it. Yeah, that, that's part of this disease. And, and that's a challenge that oncologists have with these treatments is they have to be that's so right. toxic. They have to provide 
uh, a high toxicity and they have to provide a large dosage a, a large dosage of the chemotherapy because the, the the tumors are so resistant to just the normal chemotherapy treatments that you would have maybe for breast cancer or for other uh, types of uh, cellular tumors uh, that are that are cancerous and other types of cancers. So people who are listening at home, I don't know if they uh, unfortunately don't realize, you know, I know this is this is something that we hear from everyone. And so Floranox is really nasty. And, and some people actually do okay. Um, that's a small percentage. Um, but for the majority of them, they get really, really violently sick. And they get ill, and they have. There's a lot of nasty side effects. So, uh, I think what you're saying is right on point. But it's also something that I just picked up that you just said mm-hmm. is self care is so important. And that's why I asked about working out because we have found oh, it you, is so important. So important, it, it, you know. And I think it, people it, forget it, that it gives you strength. It gives you strength when you really have none, it, and it gives you control because you lose control of yourself. So if you can control anything, like yeah. doing a little bit of exercise, you know, finding a moisturizer for your skin, you know, little simple things, it makes you, it empowers you, Do you know, it really does. Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. So for our listeners at home, and maybe there's someone out there that's having mouth sores or, you know, skin uh, irritation, what were some of the things that, you, exact uh, examples of what you did and what you use maybe if you feel comfortable sharing those with folks listening at home? Oh, sure. I mean, I didn't have anything extreme, but just a slight bit of discomfort. There's like a natural uh, mouthwash that you can use. You can use biotin if your mouth gets very dry. You can use, uh, on your skin, I would use only natural products. Only natural products. Don't use anything that has any PABA in it or any sort of chemicals. And there's just a plethora of natural products out there today, luckily. So uh, that's what I would recommend. And, and when you're doing it, it's not that my skin was so disrupted. It's just that I felt better about taking care of myself. You don't have to do crazy exercises, but if you can just, you know, get a yoga mat or lie on a towel and do some leg lifts and some, you know, uh, do a plank if you can, just any little bit of exercise that you can do walking, it makes, it empowers you. You feel like, okay, I'm still controlling my body even though you feel like you've been invaded by this really horrendous um, monster called chemotherapy. By the way, I'm using the term now, but I never used it when I was getting it. I used infusion because it sounded more benign than chemotherapy. Chemotherapy is just, it has such an awful connotation because it is awful. And it saves us, so, I, um, you know, on the one hand, it's awful, but it does save us. Um, but I did use the word infusion. I think that helps, too, psychologically. You know, little things like that make a difference, do you know? So have you always they been... They really do. I can't agree with you more, Sharon. So have you always been had that mindset, though? Yes. Yes. I have. I, you know, everyone says to me, I can't believe you're not complaining. I can't... It's not my nature. So, yeah. you know, it's like, I, it's really not my nature to do that. Um, and I, I, the other thing that, that I, I just want to say so I don't forget it, it's very important, your relationship with your doctors. You know, I 
went to see all my various doctors once a year. Um, my gastroenterologist, my, you know, internist, my OBGYN. Because having a relationship with a doctor when you get sick is so essential to your recovery because they know you. Do you know what I mean? As opposed to like a, you know, never going to the doctor and all of a sudden you're not feeling right and you decide to just go to a doctor. If you can have just a, a relationship, you know, my OBGYN found out about this through a friend. He called me on the phone. I mean, people are so caring and so loving. It's quite amazing when you have relationships with them because they know you. Well, don't you think, though, I, I, just from hearing you talk for the last almost half hour here and, and some of the things that you said, though, and you mentioned self-care is so important. And that doesn't yeah. start when you get sick. That starts, you know, a long time ago. Yeah. And, and having these relationships with your doctors, you're saying like, hey, you know, going to your OB, going to your GI, going right. to your primary care. Right. Like these are things that we all need to do. And when you get sick, I think it's kind of like staying that course. And, and something that I will say from talking to so many survivors and fighters that have gone through this is that self-care, attitude, but keeping consistency and routines is something that I've seen. And, and from what you are saying, from what I'm extrapolating here from my notes is uh-huh. something very similar to that though, Sharon. You know, like you yes, went to the right. doctor, you were aware of it. Um, that's something too, you know, we know with this disease, the earlier that you find this disease, your odds go up in terms of survival. That's not to say that someone who's stage four can't be, you know, someone who's going to win this thing. And we hope that. Um, and those odds are changing and they are getting better, just slowly, not not as fast as we wish. But I think right. when you are aware of things prior to and you are cognizant and you're taking care of yourself, when you do have these little bumps in the road or, you know, this is a pretty big bump in the road. Oh, yeah. But (laughs) you're able to stay focused and and you're able to get through this really big bump in the road because of what you were doing prior to. We we had a survivor and I've mentioned him many times on the Uh podcast and um, he was very big into physical fitness and he's a PE instructor at the Fire Academy here in Connecticut and He's still battling to this day, but he's still getting up every morning and doing some sort of activity. Now, his activities have changed just because of, you know, of he's, he's not able, but his mindset hasn't changed. Um, you know, the things that he is doing every day have not changed either, you know, and, and that's how he's living his life. And it's probably a testament to why people continue to beat this thing is that I I truly believe, I mean, there's something fascinating here, Sam, that we've talked to so many survivors and fighters, and there seems to be this commonality among all of you, Sharon, that Mm -hmm. yes, you got cancer. It is a big deal. It's devastating, but you did not change. You did not like hunker down, sink into a hole and drastically change your lifestyle. Your your lifestyle changed. Yeah, you, you know, you're, you're you, unfortunately, you know, with chemotherapy or infusion, but you yourself, yeah, that inner core of who you are did not change. And that's no, so powerful. That's, right. that's so, so powerful. So, I mean, even for people listening, I think this is, 
you know, we always talk about inspiration and Christ, if you can't get inspired by someone who survives and beats, you know, the worst cancer in the world and talks about how you lived a life of self-care and how important that is, like for those listening at home that don't have that, that are healthy, take, listen, you know, take, take heed in that and, and really kind of maybe have a, a, a gut check or a wake up call, whatever you want to call it. Right. And don't take your health for granted because my health turned on a dime overnight. My, it changed my life. And, and to be honest, you know, I didn't know if I was going to, I didn't know if I was going to live. I had no idea. This is not a really, this is a, usually it can be a death sentence as cancer. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's even hard for me to say that, uh, and the Whipple surgery is really rough. You know, it's, uh, it's in the hospital for eight days. Uh, again, the medical staff was amazing. And the people I love in my life gave me such inspiration and such courage. But at the end of the day, you know, you're alone in this. You know, when I say alone, I mean, you know, with your thoughts, with who you are. And you have to really try to um, to look within yourself and to give yourself the advice you would give other people, if, if that makes sense. I don't yeah. know if it does, but, but it, it gave me strength. It gave me courage. I was definitely a little freaked out, <laughs> to say the least, and frightened. I was definitely frightened because I'd, I'd never, you know, encountered this kind of health issue in my life. But my father had an expression, and I I live with it in my life. And he would say, "Sweetheart, you have to press on regardless." And that's how he lived his life. And for me, that I kept saying that in my head, and that's kind of what you have to do. That that really resonated with me, and and then seeing my beautiful family around me and. You know, not wanting to leave anybody and not wanting to leave the fun because I have a lot of fun. So, you know, all these things really helped me. They really did. And um, it's it's not easy not to feel sorry for yourself. But if you can try not to feel sorry for yourself, it really does help. Because that's, that's really negative, I think. You know? I couldn't agree with you more. I mean... Uh... Trying, trying is all we could ask for, right? And and that's something that's yeah. so powerful. I think. You, oh yeah. And you surprise yourself. What yeah. happens when you do yeah. try? Possibly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, you're going to cry, and you're going to be upset, and you're going to go, you know, why did this happen to me? Sort of thing. But if you just can kind of keep putting one foot in front of the other, for some reason, that really helped me. And as you said, the exercise helps, and trying to keep some sort of normalcy in a very abnormal time of your life. I mean, there is nothing normal no. about this treatment and about the Whipple surgery. I can remember, I heard someone talking about Whipple surgery, and they said, oh, my God, this is like a few years ago. This is the worst surgery anybody could have. And then I was going to have it. I was like, oh, my God. You, you know, it was like, am I going to live through this? You know, I never thought about these things. Yeah. Ever. Well, I don't think anyone thinks about pancreatic cancer until they're in it, unless they've been yeah. affected by it in some way, a family member or a close friend. Yeah. And it's not something yeah. that I think, and this is similar to, we have this discussion a lot on the podcast and, and just in general, I think no one talks about 
something so negative because it, it really does. I mean, all cancers. I mean, and that's something. Yeah, it's all bad. <laughs> they're all bad, right? right? Some are right. worse than others, and this is clearly the worst. But I don't think it's something that you go to a cocktail party and go, oh, hey, so I hear this Whipple is, you know, nine-hour surgery. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, no, you it's don't eight know. hours. Yeah. It's an eight-hour surgery. Yeah, so it, it's just something that I think no one really talks about. It's like death and taxes, you know, are inevitable, but neither, right. neither one right. gets talked about a lot at any social setting i have a question for you here and sure. i know so you go through the whipple and then yes. you did chemotherapy post whipple too i would assume or yeah well, okay. what, what happened was they waited for me to heal yep. and then they do another scan to you know and then you're like every time there's a scan i have to say you you just pray to the gods yeah that they're not going to find anything and they found out that it had disappeared and it was gone which was a blessing yeah but my oncologist said but now we have to do preventative chemo yeah and i was like what you know i thought okay this would be it she said well in case there's any errant cell kind of you know swimming around we have to make sure we've we've done everything to get rid of anything that's there and this was not as brutal it was just you know a one-hour drip and then pills that you take at home but I was very flipped out about that. I didn't want to do it. And my husband and my daughter, like, they just looked at me like, are you crazy, you know? Yeah. So, of course, I did it. You know, you just, like, you're in this moment where you think, okay, it's over now. I did this treatment. It's working. And so then I had to start. You know, you have to get yourself strong again, which, thank God, I was strong to begin with, which I can't, I can't stress enough how that really saved me a lot during this process, being fit. Um, I had to start this other chemotherapy, which was two drugs, uh, not as brutal, but it's all bad. It, you don't feel well. You. It was not fun. It was, I, I didn't want to take the pills. There were moments I was at home and I thought, I'm not taking them. No one yeah. can see me, you know. <laughs> I thought, I'm just not going to take them. Or I'm not going to take as many as they told me to take. Because I just... I couldn't stand the way I felt. You know, I'm just so, was so used to waking up and feeling good, and I just couldn't believe that I was, you know, had to go back to this kind of feeling of really not feeling like yourself. And uh, But I did it, and we had another scan. So, And I'm not going to lie about this. I've had two scans since this all kind of ended, and thank God they've been clean. And my blood tests have been great, and my numbers are great and everything. But I have a, a scan coming up in May, and don't think for a second that I don't think to myself, oh, God, I hope, I, I just pray that everything's okay. You know, sometimes I get a weird feeling in my stomach. Sometimes you get this pulling feeling. Yeah. And anyone who's had the Whipple will know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And you freak out or you eat something, and I, I take these enzymes that help me digest food. Yeah, the cream. You know, I've also changed everything I eat, you know, which yeah. has really been good. But um, every time I have like a weird twinge or a weird feeling, I go, oh, my God, oh, my God, is it back? Is it, you know, you, you can't help but feel that. It's, it's, that's, those are those scary little monsters that kind of, you know, creep into your brain, you know. 
I think that's um, really common though, Sharon. I mean, I think nothing that you're saying is anything I have not heard. And I don't mean that in any disrespectful way, but I think this is something no, no, like survivor's guilt, I guess I would, I would put it, um, and as kind of classify it as, is this. And I think everyone that I've been blessed to know over the last almost 10 years now, that is a survivor. And, you know, those scans wow. don't, uh, those scans don't, I, I think that's fairly normal. And, and I even was talking to someone recently who's like a seven year survivor. And, you know, mm. they said that, yeah, they still feel that same anxiety. They get this, they said this anxiety, she gets this anxiety feeling, you know, that oh, yeah. what if, <laughs> what if, and I think partly though, you know, I, I, I think today's age with social media and the media as a whole and you know there's this whole hyper awareness now you know and and you know with Alex Trebek coming out recently I think that that's yes. you know yes. it's sad to see that someone of that stature on that pedestal of you know fame and and what he's done in his career now is is going to battle this thing but yes. selfishly it's also it's really important though that this has happened in a way because he's raising a ton of awareness of the disease that probably wasn't there before. That's right. That's right. You know, That's exactly so. right. And, and also, it, the more you talk about these things, the, it, it takes a little bit of the fear away. Yes. Because, it, 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 you know, everything that's so quiet and hushed is more fearful, I think. Yeah. So I, I talk about this a lot. I think it's so important. Um, I think... I can't stress that enough, and I'm so happy that he's come out and really talked about it. It's, it, it, the, the other thing I want to just say um, is that I said to my doctor, my, I said, how did I get this? I mean, I've never had a health issue. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I just, you know, I just have fun, you know, but, and there is so much random cancer. And I really have been doing a lot of research on toxicity mm -hmm. because our, our environment, our world is so toxic today, our food, our water, everything. If you can eliminate plastic drinking from plastic bottles, I don't know if that affected me. I really don't know. But I, I am still to this day so befuddled. Was it stress? I mean, the stress in my life? I don't know. I lost my father. I, I really don't know how this happened. And um, and they don't know either. I don't have any family history. So it was a big, this huge question mark. But I, I, I also really feel it's important to be aware of the toxicity that we all live with. Mm -hmm. um, because, um, you know, our foods are really tainted, uh, the fish. But you have to be really careful. I wash everything really well when I bring it home. Um, I don't use plastic anymore. Um, you know, it, it, little things like that maybe can make a difference. I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hopeful. I'm always hopeful, do you know? <laughs> have you, did you do genetic testing? When yes, you, I've had genetic testing. I don't it, have any... And anything's negative. Know. Wow, that's... That, yeah. I mean, so, you know, there's been a big push now for genetic testing, you know, with everyone who has the disease because we do know that... There's about five gene mutations that they've identified that are responsible for the disease, and there is certain treatment protocols that actually work very well with those patients. 
Oh, wow. So that's I mean, something before that's they changed. get before they would get the disease. Well, so no. Um, well, there's a couple things happening. So for people who have the disease that are BRCA positive, let's say, because that seems right. to be the, the highest population right now is this BRCA positive. Right. And BRCA is responsible uh, when it does mutate into cancer. It's responsible for other cancers as well as breast. Um, it's also right, colorectal. Right. Yeah, I know that's why I was tested. Yeah. So there's there's a couple things that are happening. Specifically for pancreatic cancer, if it uh-huh. is a BRCA gene mutation tumor, um, there's actually a treatment protocol that works very well when identified. Um, in most cases, not everyone, um, but in, in a large percentage, those patients tend to have very good quality of life, very good um, treatment reaction. So they do the, this treatment protocol that is a combination of a couple of drugs and the tumors tend to some cases go away um, and kind of go, you know, not, I wouldn't say the person is cancer free, uh, but there are like, you know, the tumors are, you can't even see them on the the screens on the scans. Mm -hmm. The scans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we do know for BRCA positive patients that there is a protocol, a treatment protocol that works very well for most patients, not everyone again, that is BRCA positive, but for a large percentage of those patients, they have this protocol that that seems to be doing wonders for those folks. And so that's why genetic testing is really important because if 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 your oncologist you know, just throws fulfluorinox at you and, and you're BRCA positive, you're going to have the same response that you would someone who's not BRCA positive. But if he were to right. add um, this treatment protocol, you know, we've had patients on the podcast, one gentleman in particular, I mean, he was, he couldn't even get his head off the pillow and then they changed his treatment protocol uh, because they uh, found out that he was BRCA positive And, you know, he walked in to do our podcast and he looked you wouldn't tell if he was ever sick a day in his life. He looked amazing. Wow. I told him he looked like he just played 18 rounds of golf when he came in, he and his wife. It was just, and he's wow. he's living a great, great life now, but he was not, you know, a year and a half ago. He was basically, you know, the wife said she was ready to call hospice and get them involved. And the doctor said, give us one more shot. We, you know, we're going to try oh this uh, treatment because of his BRCA. And um, he's yeah. responded just very, very well. So, you know, that's what's going on for patients. And then for people, you know, the, the, the whole big push, as I said before, you know, the earlier that we find this disease, the likelihood of longevity of life and survival of this disease goes up tremendously. Yeah, so, and it's, it's so insidious because you don't get too many sort of little signs that maybe correct. something's wrong. Correct. I mean, that's what's scary. Correct. And the, the symptoms are so vague for some people, you know, like you said, you just so had vague. a parasite or something. I thought I had a parasite. Yeah. Right. And we've had right. people, we've had people on the, the podcast survivors and I don't think there, I mean, there's some commonalities, but you know, one gentleman who was 24 years old, he had um, diarrhea for two weeks straight. He didn't have, he was eating fine. He just, you know, was having, uh, you know, really, really bad case of diarrhea. And he went to his GI uh, specialist and, you know, they did a couple tests and then they did a, a CAT scan and they realized that he had a tumor on his pancreas. So, you know, it's just... That's, that's, that's definitely a sign when your stool is different, it yeah, changes color. Yeah. That happened to me immediately. And I knew, I said, something is going on in my yeah, body, you yeah, know. Yeah, something's not um, right. Well, being aware, yeah, right? Yeah. So so totally being aware. So, um, But on the surveillance side, so if we know that there are, you know, these five genes that can potentially mutate into the disease, 
Right. If we can follow those people, um, then we can get to them right when the disease occurs. But also we're making them aware of that. And that population, whether it's BRCA or Lynch or uh, some of the other gene mutations that we are aware of that eventually may become the disease or you know cause right. the disease, I should say. If we can monitor these people, put them in a surveillance program, and then also make them aware you know, of this challenge that they may have at some point in their life, you know, again, the earlier we get to these folks, if and when they they present with the disease, the likelihood of them living longer and having survival goes up tremendously. So those are some of the efforts that we have kind of taken on here at Project Purple with our, you know, early detection and surveillance clinic in New York, and then our early detection uh, clinic out in Nebraska. And, you know, there's other groups that are doing similar efforts, uh, across the country as well. And I think that's where, you know, not to say that uh, with this disease that newer treatments aren't a priority, but I think everyone has, there's been a big, big shift in, in some ways for early detection and what that looks like for everyone. It's is a key. Little, it's, it's so key. key. But there's other yeah. people that are involved in, in blood tests. Um, you know, we've uh-huh. done some stuff on imaging, uh, but our big push of late has been, you know, these these early detection clinics and and making people aware that they're out there, so that people that have been touched by the disease, let's say in your family, you know, your daughter, yeah. um, you right. know, grandkids, cousins, relatives right. that are aware of this, and and that's something that's so critical. So. Um, so that's, you know, with the genetic testing, that's been a big push of late, I think over the last two to three years as science has progressed in genetic testing. Science is remarkable. I'm so lucky to have gotten this at this time because, uh, medicine is extraordinary and that, that is really important in, in trying to, I don't know if you want to say cure, but just deal with this disease and many other diseases. But something also that's really important that I don't want to forget is that the body is really just a wondrous thing. And if you let your body heal, you know, they kept saying, oh, if you want to, you can go to an appointment or you can do this or you can do that. I don't necessarily agree with that. When you're going through all these infusions or if you have whipple surgery, you have to let your body heal. If you don't, it will not heal properly. Like, I really am one of these people that never sat down. I never took a nap. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that was just my personality. I let my body, I never, like, was lying down so much in my life. And I really let my body, like, I believe in self-healing, too. I believe the mind can help you heal. And, and then the actions that you take really help. So I didn't overdo anything, which was sort of anti my personality. Yeah. But I think that that really helps, Dino. The, the idea of letting your body heal. It's like people that get the flu and then they go out two days later. It's the same premise, the same thing. You have to let the body heal because it is an incredible machine. And, and it will... It will. It really listens to what you do to it. So if you if you can take the time and let it heal and let your body get back to itself, you gain your strength and that helps you fight. You know, maybe further problems. I don't know. It's what I believe in. So I'm just sharing that. 
No, I think that's powerful. I think, you know, the society today, you know, everyone is on the go, go, go. Everyone wants the quick fix. And you said before, you know, with everything that's going on, you know, within the food and, and, you know, I mean, let's face it. I mean, I think there's a, there's, it might be a subject for another podcast here. So we'll talk about this briefly, but I think, you know, I travel a ton and I used to travel a lot. Well, last year I traveled a ton I haven't traveled that Uh much this year, but you know, look, just look at our traveling, you know, you go to an airport, what do you have available? That's not filled with processed foods or salt and all these things like, Hey, we know that sugar's bad for us and we know that salt's bad for us. And we know that anything processed generally is bad for us. But if you go to any, go to a travel stop, even, you know, even driving, you know, like these highway stops. I think driving's even worse. Some of the airports are now putting yogurt there. Yeah. I mean, there's some things. Yeah. There's some healthier choices. They're trying. trying, But, you know, and I think the other thing too is, as we say, like, this is all easy to do, but it's easier not to as well. So I I think that's some of the things that are- that are happening and stuff. So, but I think you go back to, I go back to something which is self care. And I think eating healthy, mm-hmm. meditating, exercise, like we all know what those things are. They sound so easy, but you have to do it. If you don't exactly. do it, it's, it's, it's you pay the price. Right. You pay the price, right? And you some. Pay the And I'm not trying to say that, you know, anyone who is not taking care of themselves is going to, you know, get cancer or get sick. I I think the odds go up for getting sick if you're not taking care of yourself. We do know people who smoke like that's like that's just a matter of time. I don't know why people still smoke because it leads. I don't get it, but it it is what it is. (laughs) So I I think, though, going back, self-care and self-awareness is so important and everyone gets up in the morning and has a choice. And so if you need some motivation, you are a shining example, Sharon, of, you know, you take care of yourself, but okay, you had this happen. And and I always say something too, is like, life's not about being on top. We're all going to get knocked down. Life is about how you get back up. And in this case, you got, you got kicked, you got pushed, um, you got knocked down really, really hard, but you kept taking care of yourself you kept doing the things that you were doing prior to. And this was a big bump in the road. It was like a giant pothole that you went through. But you got back up and you, and you stayed true to yourself. So, um, you know, hopefully people listening at home are, are, are hearing the same thing that I'm hearing. So I, I appreciate I sharing so. that. I got a couple of questions for you. Now, sure. you, you go through all of this last year, you said was really kind of that year. So how is yeah. life n- like now? Well, I uh, finished my treatment at the end of the summer, this past summer, um, and it's been really, it's been pretty good. I'm, I sort of am changing my ways a little bit. I'm not doing quite as much. I pulled back, um, which was important for me, so that I, you know, as a friend of mine said, you don't have to get an A-plus on everything, and that was really well put for someone like me. And so I, I you know, I'm trying to go slower, uh, do less in a day. I, I don't have to do like everything in one day. I am more focused on myself, which um, you know I I love people, so I I focused on a lot of other people for a long time, and I'm just trying to uh, to enjoy my life, to appreciate the things that I have, 
uh, not be so critical of things in life anymore because it's meaningless. Um, all the things that you think are important, when your health is compromised, nothing is important except your health. It, it, and that's the truth. Not, not the clothes you're wearing, not where you're going, not who you're having dinner with. It's, it becomes about, if you don't have your health, it's, it's, all, it's all meaningless. Um, so I feel like I'm in a really good place and I feel strong. I'm exercising. I'm, you know, going out and having a great time. And, um, I'd love to help other people, you know, because it's, it's such a, it's such a lonely thing having this kind of a disease. And, um, that's where I am right now. That's where my life is. I feel, I feel very lucky at the moment, you know. Well, you should. I feel really lucky. And you earned that, that, I, that, I have my health. But you earned Sorry? that. You earned that, I think, you know, Sharon. I think, you know, all the things that you've done, um, and no one asked for cancer, but you've done all the things, yeah. you know, to stay healthy, to live a healthy lifestyle mentally and physically. So uh, you've, you've earned that right, I think, in my opinion. So I appreciate you sharing that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I hope so. I just, you know, every day I say, thank God I feel okay, you know. And you just, you never know. But uh, but I am a very hopeful person. I do see the glass half full. It's my personality. And it's, it's really helped me, particularly in this crisis in my life. So I hope anyone else who's facing this and gain strength from what I, I've said, that's all. It's, um, but it's not easy. It's a, it's a long and rocky road. Uh, if you can maintain your dignity, because that's compromised too, and if you can maintain your strength, it it, it gets you through. It really does. It helps get it helps it helps to get you through anyway. So my last question, and you may have answered this, but if there's yes. any advice you can give to someone who's just been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer that's listening to this podcast, what would it be? My advice would be. Don't, don't sit there and feel sorry for yourself. Do everything you need to do to combat this. Listen, make sure you have the right medical care. If you are questioning the doctor that you're talking to about treatment, go see another doctor. Doctors are just human beings. They're not gods. And go with someone who you feel is right for you, who's, you know, giving you, like, really good advice, uh, some people want to talk about it. Some people don't want to talk about it, you know, with people in their lives. Do what you feel comfortable with. You're in the driver's seat. You are in control of your life. You're in control of, of your destiny. And don't forget that. So you're also in control of decisions that you're making medically. And that is so important. Sometimes people just like go to the first person and they just say, oh, okay, I'll, I'll just do this. I had a friend that this happened to, and it was a nightmare until I convinced him otherwise. And his cancer, unfortunately, had metastasized. But you, you have to just have this inner strength. I don't know um, how to explain it other than that, where you, where you really are advocating for you. And anyone around you who loves you, let them into the circle. Bring them in. Bring them in, because they will really help you. They will help give you the strength that you need to combat this really horrible disease or any disease for that matter so um 
I hope I I hope I've, I've resonated with somebody and that they can take something really positive from this, you know. Well, I think you have. I know you have. I mean, I think that's so powerful. And I just want to thank you for taking time out of your day to share with our audience your journey, Sharon, but then also for having the courage to talk about this because you said something about dignity and and that's something that cancer kind of removes the dignity of everyone, you know, and makes you feel really, really crappy about yourself physically and mentally. And you've got to have courage and strength. And I just uh, really appreciate you sharing your story because you don't have to. And you don't have to help us raise awareness. And, and there is going to be someone out there, I guarantee, that's going to listen to this and be inspired by it. And that's our ultimate goal. So thank you for having the strength to beat this thing and having the dignity and courage. And I, I wrote something there and, and that you said before, what, what your dad said was press press on regardless. That's right. Which is just so powerful. So uh, You Sam have no idea. That's gotten me through a lot of uh, times in my life. That's so powerful, though. It's such such, yeah, such an impactful such a wise man. three words. Yep. I, I love yep. it. My last thing here, Sharon, and, and this is totally up to you, is if our audience wants to reach out to you directly, and if there's someone out there that maybe is battling that would love to share some more insight on your journey, what's the best way that they can get in touch with you? Um, I, I think email. Totally up to you. The, if my you, cell phone or what uh, do you email? Think I, I would say email is probably best. Okay, so it's Sharon S H A R O N at Z as in zebra M as in Mary Design NYC dot com. Awesome. Sharon, I don't hesitate. Sharon, I appreciate you coming on the Project Purple podcast and sharing your story. And as we say here, that's a wrap on another Project Purple podcast. Yeah.